Hello, and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite movies. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today we will be doing a head-to-head episode on our favorite summer horror picks, Us and Jaws. Warning, spoilers ahead. Hey, Kat. It's been a long time. (laughs) I have one question for you. Yes. Can you find the wolves in this picture? How Time fucking excited tell. are you? How <laughs> excited are you? I'm for so the new excited. Killers of the Flower Moon trailer. Wow. Looks Incredible stuff. Great. Oh my god. It just dropped this week. It just dropped a couple days ago. And yeah. it made me so excited for that film. It vaulted it into my most anticipated for the rest of the year. Ooh. I was discounting it because we've waited so long years and years now for Mm -hmm. this to come out and i was like i don't know if it's happening i don't know if it's happening i'm not gonna put it on my most anticipated list but we know it's gonna screen at con Mm -hmm. we have the trailer now for public consumption the trailer looks absolutely (laughs) incredible it looks like marty is making his own there will be blood (laughs) yes i know i just said that today i know i was like it's it's giving there will be blood Big time. The train, yeah. the fucking hat yes. Leo is wearing. He fucking the took color. that directly yeah. from Daniel Plainview. Yeah. Everything. Oh, my God. <laughs> so exciting. Can't wait. I don't care if it's four hours, Marty. I'm going to be there in the theater <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Hopefully with me, because I will yes. be on the East Coast. Absolutely. It'll be oh so my fun. God. I'm so stoked, Kat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it's got such a knockout cast. Like, that cast oh, yeah. is going to be incredible. I peaked Brendan Fraser in there, too, oh, yeah. in the trailer. I, I haven't looked at the IMDb at all. Big so time. this was, like, all I saw. And I was like, Brendan Fraser? Mm-hmm. Jesse Plemons? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> here for it. Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, my God. And you mentioned that it's been a while since we last talked. Mm-hmm. So, lots of life updates if you want to chat. Well, one of them, I was away at a wedding mm-hmm. last week, and that's why we didn't record. I was at Corey yeah. and Cassie's wedding mm-hmm. at a, a private lake house in Virginia. It was a very nice time. That sounds so nice. Yeah, it was amazing. Lots of fishing and swimming and hanging out mm-hmm. and having a nice casual time, which mm-hmm. is the best possible vibe for a wedding. Yeah. Is it really warm in Virginia this time of year? Uh, Yeah, it was really nice. The water was really warm, Mm -hmm. which was cool. I did not catch any fish, but I had a fun time trying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What kind of fish did people catch? Corey caught a really nice largemouth bass, and uh, other people reported similar catches. I think it was mostly bass, but Mm -hmm. I did see a massive, like, two-foot-long carp swimming around under the dock briefly. Um, That's a big boy. (laughs) I know. The first morning, Will and I were up uh, before the sunrise because of general travel anxiety, Mm -hmm. I think. Uh And um, I saw the most fish, like, before dawn. So I think that's why I missed a bunch of them fishing during the middle of the day. But I'm just, like, totally satisfied with casting endlessly and not catching. I don't mind. (laughs) 
Very nice. Yeah, it was great. The actual wedding itself was really fun and um, quick and casual, mm-hmm. and my best man speech went well. <laughs> so uh. that was good. I was very nervous about it. But I got a, a lot of compliments, and my favorite compliment came from the matriarch mm-hmm. of Cassie's family. We all call her Granny. Um, <laughs> she's very awesome. She's in her 90s, I believe, and she was in attendance, and she's basically, like, the OG matriarch of their family, Mm -hmm. and is a very cool person who has lived all over the world and had a very interesting life, and has really good anecdotes. Like, she told me about taking a boat from the United States to Europe when she was a young person, Mm -hmm. and how it was a week-long trip, and... All this crazy stuff. She lived in the Philippines and had a pet monkey, and she's a very cool person. (laughs) That's awesome. And when she was departing the reception, she came over to me and she said, I really loved your speech. And I was like, hell yeah. (laughs) Granny loved my speech. That's so nice. This is the ultimate seal of approval. I'm so excited. (laughs) So yeah, after that was out of the way and I could relax a little bit more, it was really fun. We played pool and watched movies and yeah, it was really fun. That sounds like a great kind of wedding. Very low stress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a great time. Definitely my kind of wedding. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Did you have anything exciting happen in those two weeks? Um, no, my life kind of fell apart. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I've been having a bad two weeks, but I'm glad that you're having a good couple weeks because I'm living vicariously through you. Oh, no. (laughs) Things are better now. It was just a crazy couple of weeks and Mm -hmm. really long days. So yeah, but I've got lots of plans this weekend that I'm very excited about. I'm going to have a barbecue and fire tomorrow with some friends. Oh man, I wish I could go. I know. Trying to like soak up the like yard while I have it before I move to a teeny tiny apartment. Yeah. And so I'm going to grill for everybody. And then on Sunday, my plan is to catch Master Gardener, mm-hmm. um, a matinee, and then maybe also try to catch RMN, which will be also showing at my local theater. So, yeah, it's lots of good things coming up. I know. I'm planning to attempt the first ever triple movie weekend wow. <laughs> this weekend. Uh-huh. I'm hoping to catch the RMN matinee Uh on Saturday at the IFC Center Mm -hmm. because I got tickets to the evening showing of Sanctuary at the AMC because there's going to be a director Q&A with Uh the two stars of the film, Christopher Abbott and Margaret Qualley, and I snapped up ticks to that with the Q&A. Good. Um, Will is very excited. We're a big Christopher Abbott household. Uh, he's like one of the big three actors mm-hmm. <laughs> that we love to celebrate here. Um, the chain of command basically goes Michael Shannon, Ben Mendelsohn, Christopher Abbott. <laughs> <laughs> so all week, Will and I have been looking forward to Q&A with Christopher Abbott, so that's Mm going to be fun. 
That's for Sanctuary, I hope mm-hmm. I said. And then Sunday, I'm hoping to catch Master Gardener at the Lincoln Center because the yes. AMC doesn't have it because they oh, have no. fucking the new Fast and Furious movie on every screen instead, Gross. which is a bad choice on their part. But I'm excited to go see the Lincoln Center anyway. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A triple movie weekend. I know. And- I hope I can pull it off. <laughs> and we just watched two films this <laughs> week. <laughs> so it's... I'm going to watch four films this weekend, hopefully, and you're going to watch, or four films total this week, and you're going to watch five, which is a lot. And I even, like, wanted to watch another Paul Schrader movie before Master Gardener, because Uh it's, like, the third of a trilogy, the Loose trilogy. Yeah, I read that online. And I haven't seen The Card Counter, but I have seen um, First Reformed, which I've raved to you about off Mm -hmm. mic often. But um, I, I, that's a lot of movies to fit in yeah. <laughs> between now and then. So we'll see how that goes. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah. So we watched Jaws and Us this week for our first uh, summer movie club. Yeah. Double feature. Double, double feature. feature. So our episode today will be in a head-to-head style with the theme being a summer horror So I'm covering the film Us today, and this is a 2019 film directed by Jordan Peele, and it stars Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke, and um, it also has Elizabeth Moss as well, who I really enjoyed her performance. Mm -hmm. And this is up there I think it's got to be tied with nope for my favorite Jordan Peele movie I just love them both so much in very very different ways and this is one that I find extremely thought-provoking and I come back to a lot and I just think that it has like such a great summer setting it's set like in a it's set in Santa Cruz I believe and um It has, like, this boardwalk with all of these lights and this, like, kind of carnival-esque type Mm -hmm. setting. And it just is very summery. And so it follows a family that goes on this beachside vacation in Santa Cruz. And the family is Addie and her husband, Gabe. And Addie is played by Lupita Nyong'o. And Gabe is played by Winston Duke. And they have two children, and the vacation kind of goes off the rails when Mm -hmm. their vacation home is invaded by these doppelganger slash uh, shadows. They kind of refer to them as shadows throughout the film, but they're like a doppelganger concept of a person that looks exactly like you and Mm -hmm. kind of wants to replace you and take over your life. And so in order to protect her family, we kind of follow Addie as she and her family like fight off all of these doppelgangers, but also as she kind of processes her childhood trauma in a like kind of real and physical way and hopefully manages to get her family out of Santa Cruz alive. And I just think that this film has so many strengths. For one, I think that the film 
I mean, Jordan Peele is an incredible director and creator. And his scenes, one of his major strengths as a director is that he creates these scenes, especially in this film, that are so unsettling. He uses a lot of like uncanny, unnatural movement Mm -hmm. in this film. And that is something that really messes with me. Um, So it's one of the reasons that like zombie films are one of the scariest films, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. There's just something about that kind of body movement that I don't enjoy. And so... For example, like there's this iconic scene that's in the trailer where you see these silhouettes of the doppelgangers out in the driveway and they're mm-hmm. being confronted by Gabe and <laughs> <laughs> and he's like got his baseball bat and yeah. uh, he kind of like antagonizes them a little bit and they're being this like very, very still, like almost like statues. And then they kind of do this like clicking mouth noises yeah and then they like break out of that formation and start like running around and like they're hunched and they're like scuttling around and it's yes absolutely fucking terrifying and it like it scares me every time i see it like in the trailer it scared me in the film it scared (laughs) me in my rewatch of the film even though i knew that was gonna happen it scared me and i love that it just like never stops being scary to me And this, like, intentional, unnatural movement is a real strength of this film. And I think it's one of the things that adds to its just kind of terrorizing nature. (laughs) You also, like, home invasion is right up there on your list of (laughs) fears as well. So I can definitely see how this one really gets you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think about it a lot. I've told you this before, but... I watched this movie in theaters with Scott and we had walked to the theater. And mm-hmm. then after the film, we had about a 20 minute walk back to our house. And I talked the whole time about this film and like was mm-hmm. theorizing the whole way home and was just like thinking through it out loud. And on the rewatch, I just caught so many more details uh-huh. that I hadn't caught in my initial watch. So that was really cool. Um, but I just yeah. think that, Jordan Peele is also just a very detail-oriented person. And so he has all of these, like, hints and foreshadowing that get dropped. Yes, Um, And so there's this guy who has, like, a sign that says Jeremiah 1111. And that is a, a Bible verse that says, Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I am about to bring on them disaster that they cannot escape. They will cry out to me, but I will not hear them. And there are multiple interpretations. Like, you can think of that in multiple different ways. Mm -hmm. But I, like, looked it up and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And kind of changes my perspective on the film in other ways and kind of just gives me more to think about. And (laughs) because obviously there's, like, this uprising of these shadow people who have been living underground for many, many years. And so this quote could be in reference to them that there's like, God is no longer hearing their cries. So they have to take Mm -hmm. um, the matters into their own hands. Or 
you could think about it as the people above ground who are about to have disaster brought upon them and God will not hear their cries. Mm -hmm. But I just thought it was really cool. And um, that's also the first person that gets killed in this film. So like you see the the man with the sign Mm -hmm. get killed first. Yeah, um, I also think it's non-accidental that it's eleven eleven because it's yeah a twin symbol mm-hmm. like reflected across the colon. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, he's just such a detail-oriented director, and yeah. that's definitely one of his strengths. And in terms of uh, interesting foreshadowing as well that I picked up on, there's a knock-knock joke that the dad tells right at the beginning of the like visit to this beach house Mm -hmm. he says knock knock who's there you you who you who anybody home but because the people outside are them it's like a fun uh dual entendre i guess but that's so weird i don't remember that and i just watched that i I just watched watched it this week (laughs) i just watched it like two hours ago yeah um but i thought that was interesting Mm -hmm. and i really love the family dynamic in this film. I think that it allows for really good banter and comedic relief throughout the film. And I, yeah, I just think that that was really well written. I especially like the comedic relief that's provided by Winston Duke's character, Gabe. Mm-hmm. Um, he's definitely the funniest. He's so funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's... Can we talk about him for a minute? Yeah, for sure. I need to talk about how bad he is at fighting. He's not good. <laughs> <laughs> when I was watching this, I was like, wow, he's like the weak <laughs> the weak link of this family combat-wise. Yeah. He's so bad. But most people aren't good at fighting. No, he's like very <laughs> believable. Yeah. But I was just like, oh my god, Winston Duke, pull your weight. You're just, you suck at this. <laughs> But I also love that he's, like, the one to go out there and try to intimidate them off the property, too. Well, yeah. He did a good job. Well, I don't think he should have. I just don't think he should have gone out there. I think we should have stayed inside, bided our time, and waited for the police. Um, But that's just me. It's fine. Yeah. And there are so many phenomenal performances in this film. Aside from Winston Duke, I wanted to highlight Lupita. She, oh my God, her performance is just outstanding. The vocal work that she's doing. Oh, yeah. Like for her, like shadow character Mm -hmm. is so convincing. When I watch her on screen, it's hard for me as like an audience member to not believe that there are like two separate people on my screen. I just definitely loved her performance. She was fantastic she's amazing the whole time i was like god lupita is so good yes and i liked her like normal character the best Mm -hmm. she she's like the best actor working i think she's incredible i've loved her since like the first time i saw her in 2013 i was Mm -hmm. like this woman is incredible at acting and everything i've seen her in has just reinforced that ever since and i want to see her in a lot more stuff that is like non-marvel franchise stuff so Mm -hmm. everything that she's in she is incredible i love lupita Mm -hmm. yeah also on this list to highlight is uh jason and pluto the actor that plays jason is 
Evan Alex. And I, man, to think about a child actor performing both of those roles Mm -hmm. and such heavy roles as well. Like he just really did such a great job. And I mean, Pluto's the scariest character in, like, I was terrified of Pluto. He definitely, like, moves most animalistically, mm-hmm. and that's definitely a, a testament to that actor's uh, skill set. That he yeah. was, like, so different between his two doppelgangers, but, like, Pluto was wild. <laughs> yeah. Pluto was so scary. Man, I would love to learn more about, like, why horror works the way that it does and learn more about, like, horror theory. Mm -hmm. Just because I find it so fascinating, like how we can use unnatural movements or unnatural behavior to elicit such a fear response in people. Mm -hmm. And like why certain people are scared of different things. Like I just find it so interesting. Yeah, definitely the most unsettling character for me was Pluto. And then also I really liked Kitty and Josh's doppelgangers as well. Um, Josh has this really funny moment. That's their friends that come visit the vacation house with them. But Elizabeth, the real Kitty, is like dying. And she like reaches out her hand up to the doppelganger Josh, who would have been her doppelganger husband. And he like reaches out his hand to help her up and he oh like my God. slides it back along his hair like he's fixing his hair. And uh-huh. it was just such an asshole move and it was so on mm-hmm. brand for the actual Josh. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I was like, this is really funny to me. I forgot about that. That whole scene has like really good comic relief in it, like the Alexa type uh, oh, yeah. device in the home, like when they ask it to uh, like call. The emergency people. I'm worried now that I'm going to trigger someone's Alexa. <laughs> but uh, it like starts playing Fuck the Police. And I was mm-hmm. like, I love this. This is great comedy. Yeah, I have to say the doppelgangers or the shadows for mm-hmm. Kitty's family were way more efficient. Like mm-hmm. they just got down to business. They didn't like play yeah. any games. <laughs> so I think that it's really interesting to think about why um red is i guess her character's name yeah the the shadow for for lupita's character yeah yeah Um, it's because of her right like that's why they don't just like kill them right away like all of the other shadows yeah but it's interesting to think about why based on the ending Mm -hmm. um because you can think about it from like a revenge and hatred perspective, but you can also think about it from a like humanistic perspective as well. Like, yeah, I don't want to give away the twist if someone hasn't seen it. So I'm not. Oh, we're not going to talk about the twist. We can talk about the twist. I just wasn't sure if you don't want to hear about the twist, uh, skip forward until you hear us talking about sharks. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So yeah, because I think that it's, also interesting to think about the fact that there was a switcheroo so the shadow (laughs) red um is actually the real addy and when addy was a kid she like went into this fun house and while she was in there she got like knocked out and dragged into this like subway tunnel or whatever it is yeah and she got switched with the other with her shadow 
and her shadow like learned how to talk and uh, learned how to be a normal human. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to think about if Red's hesitation to just go in there and immediately kill this family might be because she is the more human of the two. Mm -hmm. And like, how does the soul work in this setting? And like, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think it's a movie that left me pondering questions like that. And I Mm -hmm. really enjoyed it. Yeah. Even during like the last scene she does, like she keeps playing with her and like Mm -hmm. not killing her. And I just don't, understand the motivation for that it feels like she doesn't want to like actually finish it i know like i i don't know if this is like the result of like a long lived personal vendetta because um the original lupita because the shadow lupita switched her out and mm-hmm. made her live underground in the shadow world and shadow lupita lupita went up to the above ground world mm-hmm. and she's like well now i need to do a bunch of monologues to tell you how much <laughs> present what you did and all of those things or is it out of some sort of latent compassion that is still lingering i don't know i don't know if there is a right answer for that no and i like that aspect of the film is that like i can just continue to think about all of my different theories and all of my supporting evidence for it Mm -hmm. but yeah i just uh love that twist I know. I love the twist, too. It definitely got me the first time I watched it. I didn't, like, figure it out, but uh, it's really fun going back and watching it with knowing the twist in mind and seeing all of the foreshadowing and being like, oh, you got me, Jordan Peele. You did it. Yeah. Oh, man. And I love the acting from the son, Jason, Mm -hmm. after he also clearly realizes that his mom is actually the shadow. Oh, yeah. And they, like, share some really strange looks at the very end, and I love that acting. I thought that was yeah. really good. That part is really interesting. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Oh, and another thing that I kind of already mentioned was that it had great music, and I liked that the music was also used to relieve tension instead of only to build tension. Because usually in a horror film, the music serves or like the score serves to build tension Mm -hmm. but there were also like a lot of kind of funny moments or like uh just like vibey moments between the family where they're all like listening to a music or a a song together and I just thought that was really an interesting aspect to this film because it's not something I've seen a lot in horror films yeah and I think the use of like diegetic music is that Um, what it's called when it's actually in the scene and the characters are listening to it oh i don't know probably i trust your knowledge on this yeah diegetic i think that's the key difference Mm -hmm. in that they are listening to it like with the alexa like you were saying or when they're in the car and they're all um listening to the same song Mm -hmm. i think having that emotional relief for the characters is what gives the viewer that relief rather than like watching a character and you're hearing the score but they can't hear the score and you know all the cues about what's going to happen because of the score i think one of the reasons i love jordan peele's movies so much is because he uses comedic relief a lot and it 
makes the movie so much more enjoyable for me to watch because I find this movie very scary, but I also love the contrast of the moments where it makes me laugh. And it's definitely not a comedy, but it's so rewatchable for that reason. Whereas something like, I don't know, like an actual scary movie that doesn't use a lot of comedic relief is probably something that I would only watch like once or twice. Or Mm -hmm. I guess maybe like Hereditary, for example. Like I really love Hereditary. I hold it in very high regard, but it's a hard watch. It's a really hard watch. (laughs) And like no comedic relief. Like there's just nothing. And it's like building the whole time. So um, I guess that's a good example of a movie that I really also like, but would not rewatch in the same way that I'd rewatch Us. Absolutely. But yeah, those are all my points on the film. I just thought it was really good. I thought it was funny. Something that I thought was really interesting that I noticed on this watch, I think I said before, this was my first rewatch since 2019. And I was excited to rewatch it because it's been a few years. So Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I wonder if there's like a bunch of stuff I don't remember. And it's still my least favorite Jordan Peele movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that stayed consistent just because like some of the stuff just doesn't hang together for me. That's fair. It just detracts from it as a whole in my mind, but there's still like a lot to recommend it and a lot mm-hmm. to dissect, like you said, which is really fun. And then there's just like some like really small choices that I really enjoyed. One of the things we kind of touched on already was how, ineffectual the dad is at fighting which is extremely realistic Uh uh-huh yes um another thing that i really liked that i just noticed this time was that during that initial hub invasion Mm -hmm. for like lupita's family um when the shadows get in the front door and kind of like bust in the windows or however the rest of them all get in Mm -hmm. but they're all entering the home which is like kind of one of the peak scary moments Mm -hmm. lupita she grabs her two kids and she holds them close to her but none of them scream Mm -hmm. and i thought that was really an interesting choice because in a lot of like horror movies where you're like at that apex of tension Mm -hmm. the characters are always going to do like a bunch of screaming and Mm -hmm. it's kind of annoying and it's kind of unrealistic Mm -hmm. because if i if i was in that situation i would be like lupita i would be like fucking silent (laughs) and focused and being like what do i need to do right now and i just really liked that it wasn't a horror movie where everyone is fucking screaming the whole time because not everyone is like that yeah and i just really was like oh this is cool i get it i like that Mm -hmm. um i think you're much more into screaming (laughs) i'm I'm not necessarily into screaming but i would go ah (laughs) i would definitely like yell and surprise. <laughs> you scream in movies, according to self-report. Yes, no, I do scream in movies, mm-hmm. but it's more of just a yell of surprise. Uh, um, I, I don't like shriek. Yeah, um, it's more of just like a huh. I know. I just really like that there was no like over-the-top theatrical shriek. Yes. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like scream type. Yeah. Film. 
Yeah. It was more like people are trying to assess the situation. Mm-hmm. I like that by and large the kids listened to commands because mm-hmm. there's nothing more frustrating in a horror movie when the kid doesn't listen to like a very simple instruction and yes. everyone is fucked because of it. Yeah. The kids did a good Ugh. job listening, which I really liked. Um, and they pulled yeah. their weight for sure. The daughter was really good mm-hmm. at fighting. Um, oh. Probably better than the dad. <laughs> and definitely better than the dad. Jason definitely, like, was savvy and mm-hmm. knew, like, what so Lupita smart. was suggesting to him to do. Oh like, God. he pulled his weight as well. They both did really good jobs. And I love yeah. that competency. Yes. <laughs> you know I love competency. <laughs> yeah, <you do. laughs> so, great job to them. Yeah. <laughs> I... Light. There was like some really key homages that Jordan Peele uh, paid to the stuff that he loves. So this will come up again later. But I'm. I hope you noticed that when the family goes to the beach, Jason is wearing a Jaws shirt. I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I was oh. like, oh hell yeah, this is perfect. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know that Jordan Peele really likes Jaws, but. Yes. Uh... Yeah, so I think that was his little homage to Jaws That's um, awesome. with his t-shirt. And the other one, there's like a great uh, scene that uh, pays homage to The Shining where the two twins, Kitty's twin daughters, mm-hmm. are dead lying on the floor. And they are posed, blocked, and framed mm-hmm. exactly like the Grady twins from mm-hmm. The Shining. And I was like, immediately was like, I see what you're doing, Jordan Peele, and I love it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Yeah. So that was really fun. Yeah, that's a good catch. Yeah. And I like he, I think this is one of his most symbolically heavy films. Mm-hmm. He returns, you know, to like the Hands Across America symbology and Tethered symbology and um things of that nature and he returns to the rabbit as a symbol mm-hmm. a lot and i think that was a really interesting choice because to me it kind of underscore underscored what i interpreted as the main theme of the film or perhaps one of several main mm-hmm. themes was that this is really a story about nature versus nurture mm. um which mm-hmm. is why I think that lab rabbit, specifically a lab rabbit, like the type of rabbit you would have in a lab where you're uh, testing things regarding <laughs> nature versus nurture, because mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, you could argue that Lupita, as an example, is sort of a twin study mm-hmm. in a way, wherein because they had that switch when they were kids and the shadow Lupita was raised above ground and normal Lupita was raised down in the tunnels and they both adapted to fit those two different settings. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the perfect twin study in Mm -hmm. that their nurture completely bent the nature of those two people. Yeah, that's true. So that was what I initially took away from it the first time I watched it. But yeah, I think it was... A fun time, and it was definitely much more summery than I remember it being. Uh-huh. I think I watched it in the winter, and so I didn't really form that association, yeah. but there's a lot of summer summer vacation vibes in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me think of, like, Old Orchard Beach in Maine, which mm-hmm. is just, like, a big boardwalk area with, like, a big Ferris wheel, and it's got, like, an amusement park and rides and stuff. 
Mm. One of the scenes I thought was like the weirdest, but also very interesting and creative was how the amusement park is happening in the tunnels with the shadows. Oh, so strange and disconcerting and just very good. I like that scene. It was an interesting scene. It was evocative, but it kind of irritated me because I was like, mm. what is the rules for this? This isn't happening yeah. all the time. Why is it happening now? When is this the rule and when is it not? Those were kind of some of the things that like That's bothered fair. me. Yeah. 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 I just didn't get too caught up in the logistics <laughs> of it. Cause like in my mind, I'm like, well, how are they feeding the fucking rabbits? Like, yes, I get like that rabbits are like a great, animal for this one Mm -hmm. just because they like breed so quickly and they're Mm -hmm. like relatively fat but also like if it's just been abandoned for multiple years like what are they feeding the rabbits yeah that's a great point there's no farming so like there are definitely holes in it um but it just doesn't bother me i like just really enjoy it it's good horror content also fuck the government (laughs) we should be holding the government accountable for what they did not innocent people who didn't know Mm -hmm. yeah and i guess another main takeaway from the film is like musings on taking free will like taking back your free will Mm -hmm. when you no longer have it and yeah or like when you've been marginalized by the government Mm -hmm. for sure i think the like pivotal piece of dialogue for unlocking that theme of the movie is when the shadow family first gets into the house Mm -hmm. and shadow lupita starts talking and Mm -hmm. real lupita is like who are you and she says we're americans Mm mm-hmm I was like, oh, okay, I that's see. A good line. This is what this is about. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. That's a, obviously like a very deliberate choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just a great film. Highly recommend it. Um, it's not streaming anywhere right now, which is kind I know, of a bummer. Isn't that weird? You to rent it. Unfortunately. Um, but I just bought it because I mm. like it enough that I'll definitely revisit it. If you want to hear more about, Jordan Peele's film, Nope. Uh, We have an episode on that. So go check that out. That is streaming on Amazon Prime. (laughs) So if you have like a Jordan Peele itch that you need to scratch and you don't want to pay to rent us, you can go watch Nope and support him that way. Yeah, go for it. And when you listen to that episode, you'll hear me point out that Jordan Peele's film, Nope, is the jaws of the sky. (laughs) And I meant that as a massive compliment because I fucking love the film Jaws. Mm -hmm. And that is why that was Jaws is my pick for the summer horror double feature. So I'm going to talk to you about why I love Jaws, the 1975 (laughs) film directed by Steven Spielberg. (laughs) It was adapted for the screen by Carl Gottlieb and Peter Benchley. Peter wrote the novel that it was adapted from. Good for him. (laughs) And (laughs) it stars Roy Scheider, Richard Dreyfuss, and Robert Shaw. And is scored by John Williams. Love this team. John Williams. My man. I feel like this was one of the first 
like big attention grabbing scores mm-hmm. that he did. I, I wasn't alive in 1975, so I can only take people's word for it. But the score was a big part of the appeal of this movie, I feel. And he was nominated for the Oscars that year. And he won. He won for um, the score, rightly nice. so. Good job, mm-hmm. John Williams. <laughs> And so, I mean, this is a classic film. I feel like everyone knows what Jaws is about, but basically it's the classic tale of commercial profit versus public safety (laughs) in a small (laughs) island town on the east coast of America Mm -hmm. called Amity Island. And the uh, local police chief that's caught in the middle of those two gigantic forces. (laughs) (laughs) That police chief, Chief Brody, one of the like... Fucking classic film dads slash heroes. Chief Brody. What a character. Yeah. This guy. He's great. He's an amazing point of view main character because he is an outsider to Amity. Mm -hmm. He is from New York City. He comes to this coastal, this coastal town and everyone on the island is like, you're an islander or you're not. Like, if you're from here, you're an islander. If you're not, you'll never be an Mm -hmm. islander. And so, to them, he'll never be an islander. He's scared of the water. So, he's not, like, totally comfortable on this island. And up until now, it's been, like, a really quiet summer town. There's Mm -hmm. no violent crime to speak of. Mm -hmm. And it should have seemed like kind of a slam dunk job. But... (laughs) Very soon in the opening sequence of the film, we see a young woman being attacked by the shark. Mm -hmm. And he kind of has to deal with all of the fallout from that taking place and make decisions about closing down the beach or keeping the beach open Mm -hmm. to bring that tourist money into the island. Mm-hmm. And his main adversary, aside from the shark, is the local mayor, <laughs> Mayor aside Ron. From the shark. Yeah. The shark's just being it's, a predator, though. It's the shark and the mayor. Yeah. I mean, the shark is just doing shark things. Yeah. It's not really making decisions, but Mayor Vaughn, he's making some decisions. <laughs> mayor. The mayor sucks. I hate he that sucks guy. bad. <laughs> he sucks so bad. Um, but he, yeah, he's just a classic, classic villain. Mm hmm. Um, so yeah, everyone knows what Jaws is about. Um, and so you see those, that local power struggle dynamic taking place over the first two acts. Obviously, the shark causes more trouble than the mayor <laughs> thought he would. I thought you were going to so- leave it at, the shark causes more trouble than the mayor. And I was like, listen, <laughs> the shark is killing people. This is true. No, I know. Um, <laughs> Basically, the mayor wanted to gamble to make more money, and they fucking lost that gamble on the 4th of July. Yeah. And so Chief Brody in the third act has to use his sort of ragtag, sort of expert team uh, composed of himself, who is not a... He's not a seafaring person. Not at all. Um, But he has recruited Richard Dreyfuss's character, Hooper, from the... Oceanographic Institute. He's a shark expert. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of shark tech and know-how. Love sharks. And then, of course, he also has Quint, uh, played by Robert Shaw, who mm-hmm. is the grizzled 
veteran shark fishermen. And they, that team of three, one of the best team ups of all time in all cinema history, they embark on a, a journey on the orca to find the shark and take it down. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, just absolute adventure ensues. <laughs> For sure. Um, Kat, you watched this again. Yes. This was your second watch of Jaws. The first time where you could actually hear the dialogue. Yeah. What was your experience like? I loved it. So I watched the first 15 minutes or so of Jaws when I was a small child. Mm. My friend and I were going to have a sleepover and we wanted to get a scary movie. And my friend was like, let's get Saw. And my mom was like, absolutely not. You're not renting Saw. And then my mom was like, let's watch Jaws because it's scary, but it's PG. Like, it's PG kind of scary. It's PG. I know. Mm -hmm. And um, I got too scared after the first shark attack and we had to turn it off and then I couldn't sleep. So Uh then I didn't come back to watch that film until. You showed it at our summer movie club during COVID-19, and um, it was our first... Wasn't it our first? It was our first, yeah. yeah. And so, so I hadn't figured out the audio quite right, mm-hmm. and so we didn't have the right speakers, and I could not understand Quint's character at all. Yeah. Uh, I was having a real hard time. I think we turned on subtitles halfway through, which helped, mm-hmm. Um But so my approach for this one was to start with the volume very loud and um, also to have the subtitles on, which definitely improved my experience. But yeah, I just kind of like had my notebook out the whole time and was like live reacting in my notebook while I watched it. So really enjoyed it. Solid film. Yeah, definitely up there in like adventure movies for me. Like... Mm -hmm. I would, I feel like it's got the same rewatchability as like Jurassic Park, you know? Incredibly rewatchable. Mm-hmm. Very, very rewatchable. This is definitely at the top of my list for films I've rewatched the most. It's like mm-hmm. up there with Shawshank for me. <laughs> um, and yeah, it just, it just gives you an incredible feeling, especially when they like sat out on the ocean and Don, John Williams score is going and you're yeah. like, hell yeah, let's go do this. This is great. <laughs> Oh, it's just such a feeling. Yeah. The whole thing. But I think that anecdote from when you were a kid is really interesting, Uh where you got too scared after the first attack, because Mm -hmm. I think um, one of my favorite things about this film is those first two shark attacks, which kind of fold into a larger... um, feature of the Mm -hmm. movie in that like we obviously know now that one of the conceits of the film is that you don't really see the shark you don't Mm -hmm. really get a good look at the shark for a very long time which was not the original intention by steven spielberg but Mm -hmm. because the production was so troubled in that the animatronic shark didn't work very well yeah and it was just like a very troubled production in general Mm -hmm. i mean it was on the sea and he was a relatively new director, and I think just a lot of things went wrong. They kind of had to salvage a lot of the film in post, mm-hmm. and that's why Verna Fields, the editor for the film, uh-huh. is the lesser-known less, lesser known but 
hopefully by now recognized MVP of the film Mm -hmm. because she like cobbled it all together and made it more suspenseful, made it scary, made it make make sense, like accentuated the creative choices that Mm -hmm. built tension rather than detracted from it. So like some of those choices, such as using the shark's point of view underwater, that's fucking genius. Yeah. I mean, you don't see the shark because it's the shark's POV, but you're watching these, like, swimming people's legs kicking around, and mm-hmm. you're, like, slowly lurking beneath them. That's scary. That's yeah. great. That's an excellent choice. Yeah. Amazing. That's perfect tension building. hmm And you barely see the shark for... Like, the first few attacks. Mm -hmm. That first attack where Alex Kittner gets eaten on Mm -hmm. his yellow raft. And you just see kind of, like, the dorsal and pectoral fins Mm -hmm. flip over and then descend back into the water. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That shot is so unnerving. And, like, then you see all the blood come up and everything. Mm -hmm. Horrifying. Yeah. Perfectly done. (laughs) I can definitely see why that was too scary as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. Sure. And then the next shark attack in when it's like, there's a shark in the pond. Yeah. When there's a shark in the pond and that guy. <laughs> when there's a shark in the pond. <laughs> I love Lisa. When that guy in the smallest boat on earth is like, do you kids need some help? Yeah. And, <laughs> and they're like, just staring. They're not saying like, there's, there's a, a shark behind you. They don't help him out at all. They're like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> We're not get, giving you the heads up. Get wrecked, up. guy. World's smallest boat, man. He gets capsized <laughs> immediately. And then you see the shark, um, like, underneath the water coming mm-hmm. for him. That's terrifying. Because mm-hmm. you finally see, like, the scale of him. But he's still very obscured by the water murky but you are like oh wow that's a huge shark yeah and it's very close to chief brody's son uh-huh. and chief <sighs> brody like snaps into action he's charging across the beach there's a shark in the pond i love that part mm-hmm. <laughs> so good oh yeah one of my favorite parts about chief brody though is that mm-hmm. he like has the walk don't run mentality that like a lot of uh, like policemen and firefighters and people like that have EMTs also um, where like in any kind of crisis situation, he's also trying to keep other people calm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's one scene that I'm trying to think of like right after the first attack when the woman gets eaten mm-hmm. in the night and they're going to go look for the body or whatever he's like walking with a lot of purpose and then like you just see him like skip like a little bit like he has like a skip where he like wants to go into a run but then he like forces himself to like continue walking and i really Mm -hmm. liked that i thought it was great acting yeah very good chief brody he has so many things to balance Mm -hmm. in that he doesn't want to cause a panic he doesn't want to upset the business owners he wants to keep people safe but then Mm -hmm. the medical examiner is like changing his rulings because he is a spineless baby corruption (laughs) (laughs) and there's constantly all of these forces pressing in on chief broding and i he you're right roy roy scheider's performance is uh, amazing and 
I love the way he's just such a, a human hero because mm-hmm. he makes mistakes mm-hmm. and people call him out for it and mm-hmm. he holds himself accountable. Like you can see each time he makes a decision and mm-hmm. like a maybe uh, kind of concedes to the wrong person, you just can definitely see he's beating himself up about it later. Yeah. I think when the shark is in the pond and his kid is in danger is the final straw. And that's when he goes to the hospital mm-hmm. and fucking lays into Mayor Vaughn, who's smoking so in a good. hospital. So 1970s. So Mayor Vaughn. <laughs> and he's like, you have to sign this because I'm hiring Quint to hunt down the shark. Because mm-hmm. uh, Quint knows it's a bad fish. <laughs> bad fish um my god he's just he's such a good hero Mm -hmm. i know it's amazing i mean talk about quint one of the best character introductions of all time like there's a reason why it's been parodied millions of times it's I mean, it's incredible. He does the nails on the chalkboard, which you hate, which is understandable. But I mean, Robert Shaw is indelible. He is incredible as a Quint. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's just, it's one of the best characters of all time for Mm -hmm. a reason. And that introduction to him when they're in the meeting with the local business owners mm-hmm. and he's laying out his deal to be like, you can mess around with all these amateurs or you could pay me real money and I'll, I'll do my thing because I'm an expert. And he's eating a cracker. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> he, calls it, he calls it a bad fish. It's just amazing. It's the best thing of all time. Oh, and man. It's such, like, a great early introduction to him. Like, we're introduced... Steven Spielberg does a really good thing of setting up mm-hmm. important elements. Like, he sets up Quint. He sets up the um, compressed oxygen tanks several times. He Love that. does an excellent job of setting up all of these things. Mm-hmm. And it's just... It, there's a there's a reason this film is so iconic. And there's just so yeah. many elements that are iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid... The scariest part for me was when, um, early on, Chief Brody and Hooper, they Mm -hmm. go and investigate a boat that Mm -hmm. is kind of adrift in the nighttime. I I wrote that in my notes. Yeah. Uh Gone. Gone. And Hooper, for some reason, decides to go in the water when he knows. Fucking idiot. Fucking idiot. This shark situation is happening. And the... I mean, the scariest part of the movie, always, me and Corey were always really scared of when Hooper's underwater and he pulls the tooth out of the wreckage of the boat and then the dead man's head <laughs> floats into the hole and there's like a sharp spike in the sound mixing. Oh yeah, my God. It's Amazing. so scary. It's so I scary. wrote in my notes, fuck, when the head pops out of the boat, it's so fucking scary. Incredible Because <laughs> I like stuff. screamed. I yeah. like yelled. I yelled. Um... <laughs> I went, ah! And I was like, oh, yeah, I always forget that that happens. Yeah. Um, so scary. Amazing stuff. Um, yeah. On an, on, well, on a related but unrelated note, I follow this, like, TikTok person. I can't remember what their name is. But they, every October, they cover spooky lakes. 
And it's like these lakes that have had like shipwrecks in them Mm -hmm. and like wreckages that have been explored. And she like teaches about the like waxiness that happens to people's skin because the lakes are so cold that the bodies don't decompose. Mm -hmm. And it's the scariest thing in the world. I never want to see any of that. I never want to go swimming in one of those lakes. It's too spooky for Hmm. me. But I'm going to look up her TikTok really quick. Yeah, and there's something extra scary about being in the water with a dead body because (sighs) at least for me, it's like when I'm swimming, I'm not crazy effective directionally or speed wise so it's like it's really hard for me to get away from uh an unwanted stimulus in the water which is Mm -hmm. why i don't like swimming with snakes they're so much better swimmers than me and i obviously would if i encountered a dead body i'd be like how do i get away from this thing (laughs) i just can't swim so undesirable (laughs) um that channel is geodesaurus um very good if you want to go learn about some lakes um highly recommend spooky lakes it's one for every day of october and there are more lakes than you would anticipate being spooky and it's Mm. awesome love it so go check that out sorry (laughs) oh that's fine so yeah those are some of the incredibly standout and iconic features of this film and then i just want to recap for you some of the scenes that I think are my all-time favorite rewatchable scenes. Mm -hmm. And that'll give you a feel for some of my highlights of the film. The first one, which might be my sentimental favorite, is early in the film when uh, Chief Brody, he's upset after the death of Alex Kittner. Um, Mm. Well, it's like, I mean, I guess... Alex Kittner getting eaten is the first iconic scene because Mm -hmm. it's just so jarring Mm -hmm. seeing the shark flip over like that. Mm -hmm. That's, it's like, Mm -hmm. that whole scene is incredible. A, because the camera work is amazing. Mm -hmm. It has one of the most iconic dolly zooms of all time, probably second only to Vertigo. And the camera work is insane. And then you, you are like tracking all of these different people. You're tracking the dog. You're tracking the woman in the striped swimsuit and you're mm-hmm. tracking Alex and like the boys playing football. And it's kind of like you're watching a roulette wheel spin mm-hmm. and you're waiting for the ball to drop. And then you see it actually happen and it like hits like a ton of bricks. It's amazing. And then. Chief Brody is like dealing with the emotional fallout from that because it's his fault that it happened because he knew Christina, the woman at the beginning, was eaten by a shark because Mm -hmm. the medical examiner originally said so. Mm -hmm. And he let people swim anyway. And so he's at home trying to deal with that. And he's like drinking. She should have slapped the mayor. (laughs) Yeah. He's at home drinking and his son is sitting at the table with him after dinner, his little tiny son, and he's mirroring all of his gestures. And so it is the sweetest, ad- most adorable scene yeah. that makes you immediately feel closer to both of those characters mm-hmm. just by witnessing this very sweet interaction. 
and that's brilliant filmmaking. It's like, also I love like the mom observing that interaction. Mm-hmm. I love that we get to see her watching that interaction happen without either of them noticing her there. Mm-hmm. I just think that's so sweet, and it just makes them all feel like a little close tight knit family. Yeah, and that's just wholesome vibes. Yeah, that little kid does such a good job. Like and he's so he's, cute. He's so cute. <laughs> oh my god, what an effective scene that is. Mm-hmm. I love that one. And then that basically brings you into the scene where Mrs. Kittner does slap him in the face on the dock. Mm-hmm. That's a great scene. I love her monologue that she gives because she's mm-hmm. totally right. She also should have hit the mayor, but like she was totally within yeah, her rights. For sure. I'm definitely on her side. <laughs> yeah. I love that scene. And so after that, my next favorite scene is when there's a shark in the pond. That's just an incredible sequence because mm-hmm. it happens right after a fake out where those two idiot kids do a prank where they, um, I, I can't believe they weren't injured by how stupid they were. That was so dumb. Yeah. They're idiots. And then immediately after that, there's a real shark attack in the pond. And that yeah. sequence is incredible. I love that. Because just the watching the dread wash over Chief Brody yeah. is immense. And then... So that's like the the event that kicks off the actual launch into the sea mm-hmm. with our team of three. <laughs> and we get to see like their dynamics hash out on the boat where... Uh, like Quint and Hooper are constantly like at each other's throats because uh, Quint uh, thinks like Hooper's this like rich city boy who doesn't know how to pull his own weight and Hooper like wants to prove himself is useful and like resents mm-hmm. Quint's dismissal of him and Chief Brody is just like I don't know how to tie knots. <laughs> <laughs> And he's, like, totally out of his element in every way. He doesn't like the water, doesn't know anything about being on a boat, and he doesn't like chumming. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, the scene where he's, like, looking back and then the shark is, like, popped up. That's so good. I love that scene. that's classic. Where he's like, ah, there's a shark here now. Um, I love all of Chief Brody's outfits that he wears on the boat. Mm-hmm. He looks incredible. He's got great boat style for someone who's <laughs> never been on a boat. He looks immaculate. Mm-hmm. Really good stuff. Um, my favorite scene, perhaps in the whole movie, my favorite scene on the boat is Quint's USS Indianapolis speech. Oh, yeah. That is a slam dunk monologue. It gives you so much insight into why his character is the way that he is, mm-hmm. why he has this sort of borderline deranged drive to catch this shark, and just underscores the grit and yeah. fortitude and just grizzled, miserable nature of that character by... I mean, what a smart choice to incorporate that real historical event into the backstory of Mm -hmm. this character. And to make it a historical event that is also morally fraught because Mm -hmm. it's intertwined with the delivery of the atomic bomb Mm -hmm. and have that sort of guilt and moral gray area built into it as as well. Um, 
I just really liked the added depth and complexity of that backstory. And Uh I think it was an extremely wise choice to include. And it kind of lays the groundwork for seeing Quint unravel thereafter and makes him very (laughs) unsound choices in terms Uh of A, the radio, (laughs) and B, the engine. (laughs) In his, like, singular focus of getting this bad fish. (laughs) (laughs) This bad fish. And then some smaller moments that have always stuck in my mind since I was a kid is the shooting stars in Mm. the background Mm -hmm. in the night scenes on the boat those were just a fascinating touch um steven spielberg says they're real but i think everyone else says they're not real so Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're probably not real (laughs) but it's fun to imagine they Mm -hmm. aren't and um it's just really good yeah beautiful cinematography and finally when the shark explodes at the end Watching it drift down under the water in that mm-hmm. huge plume of blood with the harp music underneath. Mm-hmm. It's like this really dreamy image mm-hmm. of relief. And I just remember like being kids, me and Corey watching it and just like standing up and cheering <laughs> and being so excited. <laughs> That's so cute. That Chief Brody beat the shark and then watching that unfold and being like, wow, what a ride this was. Mm -hmm. It is just the perfect, the perfect feeling, the perfect arc and the perfect ending. I love Mm it. Um, Yeah. What a ride. I love this (laughs) film. Yeah. Those are my favorites. Do you have any other favorites you want to add? Oh, I just thought it was so, like, I love the comedy in Jaws. Like, I just, I wrote down multiple points where I just really liked something that they said. I love when Brody is doing research and he's like, we don't even know how long sharks live. Do they live 2,000 years? 3,000 years? We don't know. And like, he's just like <laughs> so overwhelmed. Really funny. Yeah. And then he's like, got that book and he hands yes, the book to his yes, wife. Yes. And he's like, get off of the boat out there. There's yeah, his sharks son in the water. Is in that like small boat in the water. And his wife is like, it's fine. And then he hands her the book and she like flips to a page where a shark is ramming a boat. <laughs> And flipping it over, and she's like, get out of the boat! <laughs> it's so good. That's, like, That's one of my favorite comedy. Scenes. Yes. Oh, my God. What else did I like? I don't know. I just thought it was funny. Like, I think that Matt Hooper is, like, just a very funny person, and I like watching him interact with Quint all the time, and, mm-hmm. like... I like when they're, like, showing their battle scars to one yeah. another, and they're, like, going limb for limb, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the same limbs. I thought that was cute. But, yeah, I just, man, I just thought it was a great film. I'm really glad that I got around to seeing it, because I just never really thought much about it, but it's very good. Yeah, it's very fun. It's very summery. It's basically the epitome of a summer film mm-hmm. to me and you could just watch it a million times it yeah. never gets old for me yeah good pick i feel like that was a fun pairing to watch i agree and i think there was some fun overlaps if you're mm-hmm. ready to get into that yeah for sure yeah i'm trying to figure out where to start 
Oh, we can do a fun, easy one to start with. Uh, Boats. (laughs) Boats. Yeah. I had boats on my list. Just some dudes in boats driving their boats around. Yeah. And the boats eventually stop working. Yes. Yes. (laughs) The boats eventually don't do very well. Yeah. So that's one. I didn't really bring this up in our initial discussion of um, us, but there's kind of this male rivalry between Gabe and his friend Josh, where like he's like, oh, this guy's just buying a fancier car than me, just Mm -hmm. like rub it in my face that he's got more money. And that like rich and not rich dynamic um, also plays out between Matt and Quinn, which is something that you brought up. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that that was an interesting, uh, even though it's not like a main point in us, I just thought it was an interesting overlap. Yeah, there's definitely that competitive dynamic for sure. Mm -hmm. One thing, one overlap that I thought was really cool that I didn't notice until this rewatch of us Mm -hmm. is that both of these films have a split diopter shot. At two, like, pivotal scenes. Mm -hmm. So, are you familiar with this type of shot? No. A split diopter shot is when, in one frame, you have something in the foreground that's in focus and very close to the camera, Mm -hmm. and also something very far away Mm -hmm. in the other half of the frame that's also in focus. Mm. And you have to use a special lens that has, like, half of an extra lens over top of it, essentially, I believe, to get those two different depths of field in the same frame. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of easily identify it, or the way I identify this type of shot is that not only do you have like a close-up and a far away um, point of focus, but in the diagonal boundary between them, it gets really fuzzy. Mm. So that's like the dead giveaway to me. Mm-hmm. So like I was saying in one of my favorite parts of Jaws, which is that really tense lead up to the Alex Kittner attack, mm-hmm. which has the classic dolly zoom. Mm-hmm. There's also a split diopter shot where this one guy is like all up in Chief Brody's face talking to him about unimportant stuff. But yeah. he's watching what's happening in the water far mm-hmm. away. And it's the split diopter is his di- divided attention mm-hmm. because he's really more concerned with watching the water. Yeah. And it just it works so well in that scene because you have this really interesting editing where there's cuts you're like watching chief brody in his chair and every time a person walks in front of him it cuts and you're closer to him and then another person walks and it cuts and you're closer to him again and that like ratchets up the tension Mm -hmm. and then you have the split diopter shot where you like don't care what this dude is saying (laughs) you're watching the people in the water and then the attack happens and you have the dolly zoom where you're like crash zooming in on him but also pulling away and it's like the most perfect mechanical expression of that feeling where the pit of your stomach just drops Mm -hmm. and it's just a perfect symphony of choices yeah and camera work and editing it's immaculate and it's all so intentional Mm -hmm. and i was struck at the 
end of Us, when Shadow Lupita is doing her monologue, there's a split diopter shot mm-hmm. where you're, like, really close up on her face. Yeah. She's, like, looking at a chalkboard, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. And other Lupita is far away in the background um, in some, like, desks, mm-hmm. in, a, like, a desk classroom area. And it is a really interesting choice to use a split diopter in that scenario because it's completely thematically cohesive in that the monologue that Shadow Lupita is giving, she's like explaining the concept of her and the other Lupita being two, being one soul split into two. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's one shot split into two depths of field. And it's perfectly thematically resonant. And I was like, Jordan Peele, look at you. This is such good work. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can imagine both of those now. Yeah. She says something about how their one soul split into two. They could duplicate the body, but not the soul. Mm-hmm. And I just think it was like a really interesting choice to use that like really a purposeful camera work there. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it's just two great instances of very intentional decisions by the directors. Mm-hmm. And like just this really... Um, unique technique that they both employed to great effect. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was really thrilled by that overlap when when yeah. I, noticed, I was like, oh, this is the like the best overlap of all time. <laughs> Split diopter. Let's go. Yeah, kind of dovetailing nicely with the split diopter scene that you were just describing from Jaws. Um, there's a lot of beach anxiety. Um, so there's a scene with <laughs> there beach is. anxiety. Um, in both of these. So the the scene you just described from Jaws, and then there's a scene where Lupita's character is sitting and talking with Kitty, and she realizes all of a sudden that her son has wandered off and she can't find him, and it's, like, uh, making her, like, re-experience this trauma of, like, wandering off as a child, which we know that she didn't really do now, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that both of those scenes were effective and increased my anxiety as well because you're kind of watching the children in both scenes as well separated from the people who can protect them, Mm -hmm. which ups that anxiety. And that's the scene where Jason is wearing his Jaws shirt. Yes! Which I'm counting as an overlap. That's great. Yeah. Do you have any others? Um, I think we should count good kid acting mm-hmm. um, because we already touched on both uh, Jason. What was the actor's name who played Jason again? Oh, it was um, Evan. Evan Alex. Evan Alex. He, we talked about how he did a great job playing both yeah. Jason and Pluto. Oh. And we talked about how the daughter did a, a really good job pulling her weight. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but also, she did a great job of being unnerving as her shadow oh, self as for well. Sure. Yeah. Very creepy, fast running and sneaking. And yeah, the car scene. Generally creepy. Very good. Was very spooky. Very good job by her. And then um, in the opposite valence spectrum, but still good kid acting, mm-hmm. is Chief Brody's youngest son, who mm-hmm. does the, the mirroring yeah. of the gestures, which is another overlap because 
Oh, yeah. That's like a huge feature of the shadow selves. They do, they do a lot of physical mirroring of their yeah. above ground counterparts. Yeah, that's a great catch. This is a lot of overlaps, though. A surprising yeah. number. And then I just had that there's really good comedic relief in both of the films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was one of our best friend diagrams, I want to say. Yeah, I think it's uh, because we've both watched them so recently as that well. That too. Like, yeah. we can really, really see them side by side. <laughs> and we're not, like, going based on each other's description where I like uh, frequently after finishing recording, I'm like, Oh, I forgot to talk about this thing. Or- I know. Don't you hate <laughs> it when you realize there was like a really good overlap that you could mm-hmm. have said? I get that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess we should talk about our pairing for next month. So my pick for our romance category is going to be about time. And my pick is going to be portrait of a lady on fire. Ooh, I haven't seen that, but you I've been it's meaning on to. Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't know where mine's streaming. It should be on Netflix. I think I, yeah. That's I, usually where it is. I feel like I've seen the thumbnail of it recently. Oh, no. It might it be on It looks H- like it's on stars now. Ah, shit. That's like a black hole where once it goes to stars, it's just not one of the ones I have. Man. Like, it's oh, no. on HBO a lot, though. Guess you're just going to have to pay... $3.79 to rent it on Amazon if you would like to watch it. But it has Domhnall Gleeson in it, and mm-hmm. we just talked about him on our Ex Machina episode. So this is a totally different kind of like character for him, but great movie. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about Bill Nye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love this movie. Um, it's gonna make me cry a lot, so get ready. Thanks for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? Have any thoughts on the show? Let us know at friendiagrampod at gmail.com, and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice, and we'll see you back here, same place, next week. Bye for now.